The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Giudice. Another great day and another great show. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Giudice. My name is Tug Cowart. You're listening to Extra 106.3. R. Kelly is a big story because it has connections to Johns Creek. There's all kinds of layers to this case. We're going to get the expert opinion of Bruce and Ray on it. But first, I want to let you know if you ever need help from either one of these gentlemen, either one of these renowned lawyers, you can reach out. Yeah, good morning. Uh, Bruce at Hagen-Law.com is my email, and you can send me that 24-7. You can also call me 404-522-7553. I'm on Instagram, at Peeps Lawyer, on Twitter, on Facebook. There's a million different ways to get hold of me, but I'm coming up on 30 years uh, in my solo practice, 36 years total. Uh, and I figured out now that if people can't find me, they're just not really looking hard <laughs> right. enough. So uh, exactly. Bruce Hagen, H-A-G-E-N, happy to help you with whatever it is you need. Ray Judice, what about you? Yeah, I'm pretty easy. 404-964-4185 is my cell number. I keep it on all the time. Uh, RayGLaw.com is my webpage, and that's got a lot of information. Just like Bruce, you know, we were on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You've got to do it. I, when I got out of Emory Law School in 1985, if you had a business card with anything other than your office phone number on it, the State Bar of Georgia considered it to be advertising. Uh, it was amazing if you go back and look at the disclaimers that lawyers had to had to run on a simple telephone ad, let alone a billboard or anything else. And that's changed. So we're allowed to advertise and we're allowed to let people shop for our services and come consult with us and we can see if we can help you. If I can't help you or Bruce can't help you, which is rare, we'll send you to a lawyer that we think can. So uh, this R. Kelly thing can be disgusting. It, there's, there's so many layers to it. Uh, there has been 11 accusers who uh, testified that he had uh, sexual encounters with them while they were underage, one of them being a a singer who has passed on by the name of Aaliyah. And and she, it was accused or alleged rather that R Kelly was uh, interacting with her at like 13 or 14 years old. So it's a, it's a wild case. I know it has connections to Johns Creek, Georgia, but the, uh, the defense started their case earlier this week. Ray, I guess we'll start with you. Uh, How do you see this? What do you think about it? Um, How much trouble is R Kelly in? Well, I think this would be a very difficult case to defend. Uh, you've had very credible now adult women, one after another, take the witness stand, uh, tell just terrible stories about how they felt they were manipulated, uh, profiled by him as a predator, uh, what we call grooming, mm-hmm. where he would pick one out of the audience, have his one of his posse, his managers or assistant managers, bring that young lady backstage and let them see the inner workings of, uh, of a big time concert and take him back to the hotel and his limousine. And things went on from there. And then when you also start to look at some of the testimony about the, the really mental abuse, I mean, we're focused on the, on the sexual abuse, yeah, the and, and, yeah. but, but the psychological abuse of, you know, not being able to look around past him or, or ask any questions or go anywhere to get your hair done without his permission or an escort. 
uh, it was clear. I mean, it look, there's clearly a pattern that mm-hmm. the government, the prosecution is showing. Now, how do you push back on that? I mean, especially when your own team members are rolling over because they're the minimum enablers from the sense mm-hmm. of, hey, how, why didn't you stop it or why would you even be around that? But they also may have some of them may have a, immunity from the prosecution to testify uh, because there's things called conspiracy or, you know, especially in, in sex crimes. Did I did I lock the door so that you could sexually assault somebody? Well, I'm, I'm involved, you know, so now he's made the decision not to take the witness stand. And of course, in a criminal case under the United States Constitution and the Constitution of all the several 50 states, the defendant in any criminal case never has to testify. You have, uh, do not have to testify against yourself. You can't be called as a witness. And the prosecution cannot turn to the jury, as they so want to do, say, now, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, all he had to do was walk up here and take the oath and look you in the eye and tell you it's not true. And he didn't do it. Every prosecutor that's ever prosecuted a case is clamping at the bit either to do it directly or indirectly. And it's it's verboten. It's now, a mistrial. Now, juries may huh. believe that, right? They still may think that, even though they're aware that there's a constitutional right that, you know, you don't have to be compelled incriminate to incriminate yourself. yourself. That's not going to stop a person sitting on a jury to still ask that question, say, why didn't he come step forward and deny this. And, and in every jury trial criminal case where a defendant doesn't take the witness stand, two things happen. While the jury is out at the close of the state's case and on the record, meaning with the court reporter and under oath, the judge will say, all right, now, sir, you have a constitutional right not to testify under the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution and state constitution. Uh, you can also testify if you'd like. If you testify, you'll be subject to cross-examination by the prosecuting team. You'll be under oath. And what would you like to do? Have you consulted with your lawyer about this? Do you need more time to talk to your lawyer about this? And what is the judge doing? Number one, making sure the defendant knows his or her rights, that the defense counsel has gone over it thoroughly with the defendant. And secondly, when the defendant is, if and when is convicted and goes down (laughs) to start serving his or her prison sentence, that the uh, ACLU lawyer who now files an ineffective assistance of counsel claim against the trial lawyer says, you never told him he could testify or... He took the stand and got eviscerated, which normally happens by Mm -hmm. the prosecutor because Mm -hmm. they've got John Cross and they've tried the case and now you're going to testify and you're going to get beaten up most of the time. Well, keep in mind, this is a guy who very publicly couldn't handle the the you know intense cross examination and I'm joking here uh, from Gail King on a t- <laughs> right. TV interview right, you know right. I mean he he completely lost it yeah. uh, you know very publicly as Gail King said there com- you know Robert yeah. Robert yeah. you know I, I mean if you can't handle it in that controlled environment you know how are you possibly going to handle this in when a criminal freedom court. is online in a criminal court with with a jury sitting there watching you and the whole world watching you, you and know? I'll say one other thing usually happens as a as a defense lawyer of course I've gone over this with my client many times uh, as many times as possible and I actually have them sign something because here's what happens if your client decides to take the witness stand and is cross-examined effectively and gets convicted the first complaint they have is, you never should have put me on the witness stand. You didn't tell me I was going to be cross-examined effectively. Mm-hmm. If you don't put them on the witness stand and they are convicted, they say, you should have put me on the witness stand. Yeah, there's a, a no win. <laughs> you there, didn't right? let me tell my story. No I, could have, I know I could have convinced them. You know, So there's, it's a no-win situation. It's a CYA situation. Yeah. And I'm sure uh, Mr. Kelly's counsel has gone over that thoroughly before he waived his right to testify. Yeah. When I was first starting out uh, in my solo career back in 
1992, um, you know, I was doing whatever work came along and whatever you needed. That was my area of expertise. It's before I, you know, became a what kind of lawyer. Are you? are you? What kind of lawyer what, do you what need? What do you need? And, 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 you know, can you, if, if you have a dollar in your pocket, that's the kind of lawyer I am. You're I get, you know. So, so I, I try, I, I tried a DUI case, um, where it was a refusal to take the test. Um, so he, this guy was, um, charged with being a less safe driver, right? So tough case for the prosecution uh, because there really was no uh, acknowledgement of alcohol other than that the odor of alcohol and, you know, glazed eyes and that sort of thing. It's a circumstantial facts case. And and so we did not have the client testify. We get to the end of the case and jury comes back with a not guilty, right? And I'm so excited. Um, and then afterwards, the judge um, tells the jury um, look, you've not been allowed to speak to the lawyers or anybody during the course of this case, but now that we're done, if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like to say, you know, you can talk to folks now. So one of the jurors, lady, stands up and says, I just want to say something to this young man, pointing at my client, the defendant. It's like, you would have made our job a whole lot easier if you would have just taken the witness stand. And I'm thinking to myself, you're damn right he would have made your job a whole lot easier. (laughs) Which is exactly why he did not. It's exactly why he didn't testify. And what happens then is after the judge makes it clear on the record what the defendant does or doesn't want to do, at the close of the case, if the defendant does not testify, in the jury instructions section, the judge says, now, the defendant had an absolute right under the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution not to take the witness stand, and you shall not hold that against him, which means every one of them said, I'm holding it against <laughs> yeah, of him. Of course. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so right. it's a big problem. And, and if you don't mind, let's, let's segue, because it's your day in court, to contrast Mr. Kelly's constitutional right not to take the stand to a defendant in a civil lawsuit, any kind of civil lawsuit, a contract case, a divorce case, or a personal injury case. Yeah, so so R. Kelly will be sued, has been sued over... Um, civilly over his actions uh, related to the women that he's accused of abusing here. And so in that case, um, he can say, while the criminal charges are pending against him, he can say, well, I'm not going to answer these questions in the civil case because I'm pleading the fifth and I don't don't want to give testimony in the civil case that could incriminate me in my... Uh, in the civil case, that will incriminate me in the civil Which is the Bill Crosby example. The Bill Crosby. Exactly. But, but the, the difference is that in the civil case, now the jury will be told that um, you can assume that had he answered those questions, the answer would not have been favorable to him. It would have been negative to reason. him. And, and oh, those questions that you're going to ask, knowing that the defendant's going to take the fifth, are what kind of questions? Yeah, the I most mean, it, self-incriminating, exactly. isn't it true you were negligent? Yeah. You were reckless? Right. Yeah. You're a yeah. horrible human being. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, it's, understand that all right, he's not going to answer them. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to plead the fifth. And then, and then you get a, a presumption that you can use with the jury. Even though he's got constitutional rights in the civil case, that doesn't okay to, you the same It's okay way. to think it. And the trick of a, of a smart lawyer, not a trick, a procedure is you're going to videotape that deposition. You're going to ask him the 25 most ex- horrible questions convicting him or, or finding negligence. And 25 consecutive times, the defendant is going to look down on a sheet of paper that his lawyer wrote and said, I refuse to okay. answer under my amendment on the fifth. Right. And it's a beautiful thing in a courtroom. And what yeah. Ray was just saying there, if you remember back when we talked about the Cosby case, the reason that his conviction was thrown out was because there was a side deal with the DA that you could go ahead and testify in the civil case, and, and we will not use that testimony in the criminal case against you. So you can give complete answers. These victims deserve to hear it uh, in the civil case. And um, we won't use that in the criminal case against but you. Did. But they did. And, right. and that's why 
those convictions were thrown out. I'm surprised that case even went to trial knowing that, because I, I didn't know that until afterwards. I agree. That, yeah. that there was a deal, and that deal was enforceable. And I'm not trying to defend Mr. Cosby, but yeah. he, he and his counsel relied upon the, the district attorney's deal. This is your day in court on Extra 106.3. When we come back, we're going to talk about a case that has gotten so much national attention, and it is the Gabby Petito case. What's happened? What should happen? What else is going on? We're going to get to the bottom of it here on Your Day in Court on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. Welcome back to your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. Tug Cowart here on Extra 1063. Going to jump into the Gabby Petito story because it is so fascinating. And I almost feel horrible saying that, but it is. You can't look away from it. It's almost like a wreck on the interstate that you just look and can't look away because there's been so many things that have happened in this case. The fact that they have now found her body and ruled that it was murder, and now they can't find Brian uh, Laundrie. Why can't they find him? Why weren't they tracking? I saw it where uh, John Walsh had spoken out saying that this was handled so, so poorly. Where do you guys land on the way the investigation has been conducted? Well, it is really surprising that um, Brian Laundrie was sort of just allowed to come and go as he pleased without there being even the slightest effort to just monitor his yeah. whereabouts yeah. and where he's going. I mean, you know, you hate to be such a reactionary, but we've all seen enough of these movies and read enough of these stories. On Lifetime, yeah. To, to, just, <laughs> to Lifetime Channel and beyond to just know, and especially in a circumstance like this, that of course you're going to start with the person closest to her and certainly somebody in a domestic relationship that had been volatile recently, as indicated by pullover and encounter with another police department out west. You know, why wouldn't you at least declare this person from the get-go as a person of interest and we're going to bring him in for questioning, we're going to keep an eye on him and, and not let him just sort of drift with the wind. And that's not the same as saying that we are immediately rushing to judgment that this is our... Uh, accused and we're going to go ahead and accuse him without any evidence, but at least to recognize that there's nobody else in a better position to provide evidence, to provide statements to investigators that at least can be used, whether it's to find whoever it is or to bring charges against this guy. So, you know, th that's really, I think, the surprise is that's what John Walsh, I also saw him on TV, that's what had him up in arms. Like, you know, how do you just let this guy mm -hmm. disappear like that? It right. seems seems so sloppy. Yeah, uh, and artfully stated by Bruce about what law enforcement, how they th should have threaded this needle.
But the problem is they rarely do it properly. Uh, and what has helped in many cases the criminal defense side is that you you were after my guy from day one. You declared him a suspect you, to the exclusion of anybody else, and you fo- all the resources were on my client and any statements he made now even volu- you know unless they were voluntarily after reading Miranda because you had focused on him so he's a, you know, at least a level 3 in detention so those issues have really given law enforcement a lot of problems over the years on high profile cases and that's why increasingly you see a spokesperson for law enforcement rather than you know a qualified officer who's got all kinds of training but one of the things he or she doesn't have is media relationship training and the use of the appropriate legal language not to undo the case or exclude evidence or statements later on. So that's what you see in these cases is the threading of the needle, and it's very hard to do. So do you think it was then a smart idea that they didn't call him a suspect right away? They called him the person well, of I interest? Well, I think so. Because I think a lot of people are confused They've got that. to start with the person of interest and say, as Bruce said, you know, we really would like to speak to him because we kind of think he may be the last person to see her alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. Or <laughs> in what, what was her state of mind? What mm-hmm. was her health like? What was going on out there in that car? We think he can help us, you know, solve this puzzle. And the investigators still may have already formed the opinion that this is the guy and we're going to find the evidence that proves that this is the guy, but let them at least not go ahead and go public with with that and make that the face of the investigation. And once you and but once you make that announcement publicly, uh, then the right to counsel attaches and the right not to testify mm-hmm. against yourself attaches. And and Bruce, you you know, you did say something that a lot of folks think that you can just round up the usual suspects, so like in Casablanca, and bring them in for you know questioning under the spotlight. Doesn't quite work that way anymore. Uh, there's got to be significant probable cause. There might have to be a warrant. Client's entitled to counsel, and the client can sit down at the table and not say a word and not drink out of the Coca-Cola can that they gave you, so they can take a DNA sample when you leave, and you're videotaped. You don't have to be subjected to that if you don't want to, and if your counsel fights back. So I think, and of course, if you get counsel during an investigation, then the media and the public right away, well, why did he lawyer up? If there's nothing, if he's not guilty or doesn't know something. So uh, both sides, I think, played this thing a little too cagey. I think the parents may have some uh, involvement, not on the young lady's parents, but the young man's parents. There was a statement early on from a lawyer for Brian Laundrie or at least his family um, that was very appropriate, a statement from the lawyer saying that, um, the presumption of innocence is exactly that, and uh, the uh, constitutional right against self-incrimination is exactly that. And as much as we would um, like to assist and facilitate— And jump um, over those protections. Uh, right. Unfor- you know, We're at this point not saying anything because um, we've seen in the past how any kind of statement gets— uh, magnified and used improperly, and so um, we're just so saddened by these events, but we're not going to be providing any statements. And, and let me also say for the record, I have seen uh, videotaped statements by they taken of folks that really aren't culpable, <laughs> mm-hmm. but taken by very good cross-examining officers or investigators who are maybe playing good cop, bad cop, or maybe used to, you could keep them in the, in the little room for four hours without them going to the bathroom. Uh, and I wouldn't, I'm not going to say people confess to murder, but they've gotten themselves involved or, uh, you know, as suspects in, inadvertently just mm-hmm. by maybe trying to be too honest or trying to explain something or misinterpreting a question. And I'm not sitting here saying that that was a setup, but people fall into Absolutely. that I just just that. like, you know, I want to take the witness stand. I can't wait to clear myself. Well, 
I'll tell you what, sit tight. Might not be the best idea. <laughs> May not be the best idea. Yeah, and uh, you know, to raise another point is there have been many high-profile instances of coerced confessions that were just people confessing to crimes they didn't commit, and it's it's hard or for the layperson to, a, to, to enough imagine. for them to be convicted yeah. of that crime. And, and, and it's it's hard for a layperson to sit back and imagine that ever happening. Right? You hear right. these stories like, how could that possibly happen? Um, a very public um, instance of that 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 has come to light in recent years was with uh, the Central Park um, murder years ago and, and the folks who were rounded up on that. Five and, young men. And these kids who, you know, some of them, they just confessed ultimately and they said, I didn't do it, but it, they just made it seem like that's what I had to do was to say that I did. And yeah, this, so and this basically all they end. said the only way you're going to survive is if you, if you confess. Is, is that essentially what they did? It, it, it mounts to that. You well, know I mean? it's, 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 it's a psychological pressure. It's, it's the circumstances. It's, it's really a combination of everything. Four, there's four code of suspects. I've got suspect A in my room. Well, you know, suspect B told me uh, that you it. brought the gun. Now, they can lie. There's right. a Supreme Court case. That says, in the course of an investigation, the investigators can lie to you to induce you to make a confession or a statement. Oh, that, my God. That it's, a, it's a famous case. And uh, they do it all the time. I say they do it all the time. It's a technique that is it's used. It's a tactic that is deployed. Uh, or, well, you know, the first one to tell the truth gets the good deal. We don't need all four or five of you to tell us what happened. We just need one. Do you want to be that one? Right. Now, yeah, because once we hear it from uh, defendant C, we don't need we it. don't need it from A or B. Now, oh, in in court, when we have multiple defendants, there is sometimes a race to be that one. Okay, so if I have the least culpable of four or five co-defendants, I may say to my client, "Look." You want to roll on these guys? You want to tell the truth? Because we need to get in there first, and especially in the federal system. Uh, and you're going to tell the truth. And I'm not saying you're going to walk, but you're going to get the best deal. Mm -hmm. The first deal is the best deal. Okay. All right. Oh, wow. That's a... Uh that's a lot to try to process at one time. That's why Goodness. we charge a lot of money. I, I, I understand. <laughs> and, and here we are giving this great advice away to our listeners for nothing. Here on for your all of our court. future co-defendants. That's right. So going back to Gabby Petito, because you brought up the parents, what responsibility do they have? Because I would like to think, and I, and I don't expect I'll ever be in this position, but if my son had done something wrong and I felt like I knew that, then I would want the right thing to happen. Yeah, at the same time, there's, of course, the instinct to protect. And, of course and there is, and, and I get and that to protect too. the kids. Um, you know, right now, the parents are not under any legal obligation to do a thing. You know, I mean, they, they can't stand in the way of an investigation, but they certainly don't have to go out of their way to cooperate in any, in any way. Um, there are no charges against Brian Laundrie, right? And so they may know where he is. They may have his cell phone information, whatever, um, but they're not obstructing an investigation when there's no charges. Mm -hmm. And and so um, their house was searched. There was a warrant that he saw that on TV. Yeah, you know, sure. the investigators coming in and pulling computers and all kinds of things out of the house. They, they can't impede an investigation, but they really aren't under any duty to do anything. Well, what if they have... I don't know, put the investigators off on the wrong trail knowingly and and their son was able to not be in the swamp where they said he took a hike and he's gone to yeah. uh, Mexico. The, I don't know. The, the worse it gets, the more exposed they are 
to some sort of criminal charges. And so, and so the, the, the more they actively do anything to impede an investigation, the more they're exposing themselves and putting themselves on the line for their own charges. And they're entitled to get counsel. Mm-hmm. And they should get counsel. Maybe, maybe just to be counseled, but they should be talking to a lawyer. Because as, as Bruce says, they don't want to be put in a situation of testifying against your own sp- son, mm-hmm. uh, nor obstructing the investigation. And at the same time, as you said, you know, you're you're going to get called to the principal's office to, and your son's going to be sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> and he, you know, he, before. he put gum under the table or yeah, whatever, whatever a paper airplane or some something that I would have done. Uh, and you're going to you're going to be in that. What do I do here? You know, do I do I take the principals and help the principal punish my son to teach him a lesson or take my son's side? who says, I didn't do it, Dad. Yeah. So I, obviously this is much more serious, yeah. but it's a juxtaposition for these parents uh, and there's no there's no game plan for this either. Uh, you guys are both parents. I'm not. But you know when you when you took the little ba- Bambino home from the hospital, it, this wasn't they didn't in the give you the book manual. about. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly right. Uh, <laughs> I had and, a hard enough time getting the uh, the the booster seat in. You know, <laughs> much less the rest of I, it. I can relate to that. Um, it looks bad a lot of times to the public when folks do what they call lawyer up, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 you know here if you saw the parents have their own lawyers and the lawyers making a statement it, it looks bad right it does. but it's the smartest thing that people can do and and you know ray and i we can offer a lot to folks when we get involved at the beginning of a situation whatever it might be criminal domestic personal injury we can do so much more when we're involved from day one i had this conversation with somebody this week in the totally different context of a, a civil case and he's a smart guy and he just wanted to deal with it himself and i start running through like the various pitfalls along the way he says well why don't i just try it myself and if i hit one of those pitfalls i'll call you then i was like yeah but the difference is then. by the time you do that i'm I'm going into this fight with both hands tied behind my back. Yeah. You know, you know, and yet, you know, it's, it's, I, I told this guy as an example, there are certain plumbing jobs around the house that I do myself. Um, but there's plenty of them where if I do it, I end up with a big mess on my hands, you know, and, and, and it's, you, you want to do your own legal work like that. That's fine. But just know you're going to end up with some poop on your you hands. You might know how to brush your teeth, but you don't know how to do root canal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Right. That, that's so, about so, what we're so, talking about. So, it, you know, here in this context, yeah, maybe it looks bad to the public because they think that, oh, these folks are hiding something. They've, they've got a lawyer speaking for them now. No, it's the smartest thing that you can do is to get your lawyer involved early as opposed to, I'm going to run my mouth. Uh, you know, uncontrolled for however long it takes. I'm going to put things on social media for however long it takes. And then when the stuff hits the fan, then I'll call Ray and, and get him to come in here. And guess what? You know, Ray says, I can still help you, but it's going to cost you a lot more now. And there's a lot less I can do for you than had you called me when this first started. It is absolutely easier to build a case or defend a case from early in the game than it is to try to clean up a mess, even if the person is doing the right thing or trying to do the right thing as a lay person, uh, there's a reason we spent uh, seven years in college and three years in law school and passed the bar exam and take CLE every year. And as well as the uh, sort of the sharpening about going up against other good lawyers that makes you a better lawyer and teaches you something. Seven years of college, that's like Pluto from Animal House. That's right. <laughs> Seven years of college down the drain. In a row. <laughs> I, this this case, though, is 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 so fascinating and and so many people are are really really disturbed by it you know there's the interaction between uh like you had mentioned earlier the interaction between the officers 
when they were out west and there there's video i mean think about the video and how they discovered where likely her body was going to be with somebody shooting a youtube video and they just happened to pass the van and if you watch the video you see the back the doors of the van close and then you can zoom in and people on social media have and you can see her flip-flops at the end of the van it just, there's just so many things that you see there, and I don't know how all this stuff plays in court. It'll definitely be used, right? Some of this stuff probably brought up in court. Yeah, and the interesting thing there is that, you know, society-wide, we're at a crossroads, really, of thinking about how we want police to interact with the public. And uh, the whole idea of, you know, let's this is a case where you might have had social workers called out to the scene as opposed to police to do it because it's mm-hmm. a domestic issue between this young couple that, you know, maybe some sort of intervention. Well, it seemed to me just, again, I'm not a, I'm not trained in this stuff, but it seemed to me that that's kind of what the police were trying to do. That's and right. say, yeah. we're not going to arrest somebody here. We're going to see what we can do to, you know, diffuse. maybe step in, diffuse, and, and try to do something. Had, would they have handled it differently if, had it not been a young, blonde, white girl and uh, her, her white boyfriend? Um, you know, we've seen awful situations that have um, really turned nasty. Who knows, right? Part of the attraction and the allure of this case is that it's getting so much attention, and it's bringing up the fact that there are cases of disappearing people of color that have been going on, and certainly among the Native American population, um, that get no attention whatsoever. Here you've got this young Barbie uh, doll-looking girl, um, and it's on everybody's TV screen everywhere you go, um, and so it, it... raises that disparity as well. I'm not, I'm not really answering your question of, you know, the conduct of those officers out at the scene, but there's just a lot there. There is. You, you even mentioned social media. I mean, part of the reason that this couple has gotten so much attention too is because... Because it blew up on social media. And and, and they had lived their entire van life right. on, yeah. on TikTok and right. Instagram, yeah. and, and they had a big following, and it, and it became this huge thing of this free-spirited I, young couple just traveling around post-COVID um, in, a, in a tricked-out van and seeing the world, you know, and... and, and People uh, voyeuristically follow them wherever they went, and then it just turned horrible, and it and so it became a an enormous push of social media that led to then conventional media. See, but I think that's that's exactly right because of the the way that they lived their lives in that spotlight is the reason this thing got so much attention so quick. And and you're right, there there was a a great article that I saw, and I don't recall where it is. Please forgive me, but it just talked about how many people were missing all over the the state of Georgia and all over the country. But at the same time, those people probably don't live their life on social media and don't have a million followers. And fair or not fair, when there's that many eyes on it, it already has the attention. No question about it. Uh, you know, there's different stories get picked up for different reasons. Uh, is the media to fault? I don't know. It's their job to, to get clicks or sell ad space. That's uh, where that it, gets lost a lot. Yeah. Is it the consumer of this information's fault? Well, you, know, you can turn it off if, you, if you're offended by it or if you mm-hmm. don't think it's fair. But I do the point Bruce raises, though, especially with uh, missing young women. Uh, you know, we're here in Atlanta, which is one of the hubs of human trafficking and sex trafficking in the country. It's also a drug hub. Why is that? Because it comes up through the highway system, through our right. airport system. You know, one of the it's an old story. If on your way to hell, you have to stop at Hartsfield Airport right. or yeah. get stuck change, on two change yeah, flights at Hartsfield, yeah, or yeah, shift shift on lanes on two eighty five. And so there will be. This weekend, several missing young girls in Metro Atlanta, and they'll be of on the news colors, of all colors, black, black, but but brown. many minority, many sure. many young girls of color, 
Uh, and that story by about Tuesday, if they're not found or returned or found safe, uh, is not on the not on the top of the fold, as I used to say, the headline on the newspaper. Uh, so there's a disparity there. There's a lot of reasons for it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, going back to what Bruce said, I watched what the officers did. I think they were trying. I think they were trying to defuse the situation. Um, you know, I looked at a young girl that looked like she was scared. She was flat scared. Now, what resources that law enforcement department had? Did they have social workers? Did they have someone who was specifically well-trained in domestic violence? It doesn't seem like they had probable cause to make an arrest. So, you know, we're all... Well, they did have a witness claiming that they saw laundry slap Slap her in the face. Okay. Uh, And then... You know, marks on her face. Okay, apparently. well, I, so I missed that. I missed that. the witness. But, but you also had a female officer sitting for an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, right, that's right. Talking right. to her and and, and, and and telling her, look, you need to get away from this. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it's, it's a, a lot I mean, of hindsight. It, so, you know, armchair quarterbacking the next day. Absolutely. Uh, and law enforcement is put in this situation in domestic violence situations all the time. They come to the house, it's two o'clock in the morning, there's a lot of yelling, the neighbors have called 911. It's hard to tell who was the aggressor. Uh, we look at a local case here in Atlanta. The uh, Akun is- uh, oh, Marcellus. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, what started out as a, a felony choking case, uh, wound Witnessed up, by the police. Yeah, and on the body camera is what we heard, and then it turns out to be a misdemeanor that's reduced to first offender status, which is reduced to diversion program, and he won't even have a conviction. Well, something happened in those six, eight months. Did we get the story right initially, or is the end story the, the real story? So uh, office law enforcement's placed in that position on a regular basis. How do you guys see this moving forward? Do you see any any sort of legal interaction with the mom and dad that haven't said enough, or will they be will they be taken in? I guess I what's the next step for this? Yeah, I mean, ideally, it's finding Brian Laundry. Okay, yeah, uh, I, I, I know yeah. there's yep. a a massive search out uh, in a very difficult area of of swampy Florida, and having spent. My formative years in Florida, uh, after moving from New York and, and seeing some of these swamp areas, like if somebody was a true survivalist, they could never be found. They, they could disappear there and be gone forever. Um, but if you're really not, it is a hostile place to try to um, make camp and make do with just a backpack on your back. And so realistically, he's going to turn up. He's going to be found. It, it's very hard to go completely underground in today's world. Uh, with his high-profile situation as he is, and then unless he's got somebody helping him, if he's got somebody helping him, and so it, you know, we saw this with um, Rudolph. Remember uh, the Olympic yeah, Park bomber right. mm-hmm. um, who was found years later in uh, North Carolina, in, right? In, up in Murphy, North Carolina, in a dumpster behind a Walmart, um, but who had been living for several years in hiding with the assistance of the folks up in the mountains who just. Maybe they knew who he was. Maybe they didn't. But people were helping him out. And so that could certainly be happening. It, it's hard. You know, look, if, if you are a an anti-establishment, anti-abortion clinic bomber, you might be seen as a hero to some mm-hmm. who are willing to take you in because, you know, we hate the government as much as you do. And we're against these ab- abortion doctors as much as you are. Um, if you're murdering a young woman, potentially, um, it's hard to find folks who are going to be sympathetic, be in that camp with yeah. you. That yeah, yeah, we think that's cool. You, you know, you, we're going to uh, look out for you and take care of you. 
Well, the next thing is, if he's found, if and when he's found, he'll be extradited to Utah, which I'll bet is a death penalty state. What do you, do you guess? West of the Mississippi? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a death penalty state. And then, then the question becomes: the next set of in your court, does the state move for the death penalty against a twenty-three-year-old white kid? And, and who knows? Is his story going to be that we were just hiking and she fell and hit her head, and I couldn't? save her and then I got so scared I just panicked and 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 what I'm guilty of is being afraid I'm, I, I didn't kill her sure. and, you know that's, who that's, knows, there's any, any yeah. number of things yeah. that and come the coroner's out. report will come into play as to right. the mechanic that's not the right word but the scientific medical cause of death and uh, not the legal cause of death and there's a, there's a difference uh, but was it blunt force trauma is it strangulation? Is it poisoning? I mean, there's, you know, yeah. there's a whole list yeah. of how that could have happened. Uh, and that'll go to, to Bruce's term of what will the defense, because there'll be a defense, folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I very much doubt he's going to come forward and say, yeah, I, I got angry with her and I killed her and I strangled her and, and I'm and ready. Done deal. Yeah, I right. think they, don't they do the firing squad in Utah? <laughs> they, they might. <laughs> I think they do. <laughs> Hold that. We're going to finish this conversation on the uh, other side of the break because I, I want to get into that legal difference in homicide and murder because there was a lot of discussion about why it was called homicide and not murder uh, to begin with. And maybe it's clear, maybe not so much. We'll talk about it next here on Your Day in Court and probably get into that defense of, of him. How would a defend uh, a defense attorney defend Brian Laundrie if things play out the way that they look like they may? Next on Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice here on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Final segment of your day in court here on Extra 106.3 with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. We're talking about the Gabby Petito case. There's a couple things that I wanted to get into because there was a lot of discussion earlier this week about the difference in the way the coroner labeled the cause of death being homicide a lot of people were getting into the weeds a little bit about the difference in homicide and murder and it seems pretty clear to me i'm not sure why there was a lot of confusion why do you think there might have been well murder is a term of art that has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt you can die <laughs> for a lot of reasons mm -hmm. uh, doesn't mean it's an intentional homicide mm -hmm. or intentional murder 
the coroner in different jurisdictions has different levels of power. In some jurisdictions, they are merely the medical examiner. In some jurisdictions, the coroner has almost as much power as the district attorney to wow. launch investigations, to issue subpoenas, to have a, what's called a coroner's inquiry. You may mm-hmm. have heard of that. I have. Okay, and, and so, so they have to be cautious about wading into the DA's territory, pre-grand jury, pre-investigation, just to find the cause of death. So increasingly, the coroner's offices are staying away from trying to get into the legal terminology and more or less sticking with the medical terminology. So I'm sure that report will say something like blunt force trauma about the head, strangulation, something. That's what we're going to find, and that's the medical cause of death, the legal cause. of. I know this is for splitting hairs here, but I've had situations where I have tried to use the coroner's explanation of his cause of death to contrast to what the district attorney has alleged. Okay. Okay, and put the coroner under oath, and you're you're employed by the state of Georgia, and you think it's this, but the mm-hmm. DA, the indictment says something completely different, not really different, but a, a different cause of death. Right. So we're going to wait to see how that is defined before the defense is fashioned. Yeah, it's been a long time since Ray or I got through our criminal law class in law school or had to take the bar exam, but you spend a lot of time as a student parsing these sort of words and you know dealing with concepts like what they call malice aforethought a homicide really is one person who has killed another right is, is the appearance of a homicide so it could be and, a car wreck it could be it an be, accident okay. yeah you've heard vehicular homicide yeah. it can be an accident it can be negligent reckless homicide it can be reckless. negligent manslaughter but, but if you plan ahead and you intend to do something to kill somebody else that's murder Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so you have that predetermination. I may push you away from me. Right. We're arguing. I push you away from me. You fall and hit your head on a rock and die. That's homicide. Right? Oh, wow. I, I pick up a rock and, and I say, I'm going to walk up behind this person because I'm so mad and I'm going to smash her in the head mm-hmm. and kill her. That's murder. Right. Right. Because yeah. I've, I've mm-hmm. planned it. Yeah. And, and so that may be the distinction you're looking at is is the coroner or medical examiner is not saying what the intent was behind the action that killed this young lady, but he is saying that the action appears to be that she was killed by another person. Yeah. And okay. coroners generally don't have legal background. They're not lawyers, mm-hmm. not members of the state bar, they're not members of the DA's office. They generally have a medical background and are quite often MDs. No one I know about, most medical doctors, and I think Bruce would say this, they don't like getting caught up in the legal process if they don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> so if they can be somewhat non-committal, they'd like to be non-committal. That's been, yeah. my, that's oh, been my experience. And we get into this in our civil cases frequently of, um, you know, especially just in the worst ones of, you know, well, what was it that caused somebody's death? Was it a seatbelt? Was it a head hitting the seat in front of you? Was it the failure of the seat causing you to whip backwards or something. I mean, there, there are plenty of instances. Um, drowning cases, as another example. Did the person survive for a period of time before they died? You know, how quickly was somebody killed? Um, there's a concept if somebody survives an impact um, of pain and suffering, even if you survive just for an instant, mm-hmm. as opposed to immediate death. Yeah, and right. so we do get into having to analyze th- these reports. The yeah. Sometimes we retain our own expert witnesses to, to speak to this thing, you know, former medical examiners, um, former coroners. who Sometimes you'll see a second autopsy, a privately paid for autopsy by the victim or the victim's family or an investigation. We did this a fair amount in the NFL concussion case because in order to establish the presence of CTE, which was the big brain injury that that, um, was being alleged to have been caused by the NFL's 
sort of failure to acknowledge dangers of repetitive blows to the head, you the only way to establish it conclusively was on autopsy doing a specific type of test on the brain tissue that most autopsies don't do. And so you say, well, look, we've got to go back there and, and see if um, there was evidence here. And there was it was always there, mm-hmm. by the way, with these guys. Mm-hmm. They all had it. Um, it's just a question of whether you were able to prove it by have, having this type of an autopsy done. And so um, I, I had some awful conversations with um, the, the family members that survived the death of a former NFL player saying that I know that the body has been ravaged by an autopsy already, but we need to go back in there one more time and have this brain tissue analyzed because otherwise there's just absolutely nothing we can do and, and this death is for naught. Oh, my goodness. Uh, in the final couple minutes, the defense of Brian Laundrieu, because he will have a defense. What happens there? Well, right? oftentimes you don't fashion your defense or at least get too locked in until you see what the evidence the prosecution has. Mm-hmm. Okay, So if I'm his counsel, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to proclaim his uh, presumption of innocence and look for a thorough investigation and I look forward to our day in court to clear his his good name and as OJ would say to find the the real murderer may not say that yeah, uh, and then see where idea. the state's coming from get their evidence don't get committed don't know what the story is I mean it, as Bruce pointed out look they had a, a little bit of a volatile relationship these two young people maybe Which goes both ways maybe she got aggressive with him maybe she came after him with a something a stick a knife and he in an effort to defend i'm i'm, I'm making yeah, this yeah, up no, okay right. it's all but, yeah, i mean hypothetically in an effort to defend himself he pushed her she fell and she struck her head and look i've got the coroner's report that says it's blunt force trauma to the head caused by a rock and there's a piece of rock material lodged in her skull and that's because she fell on that rock when he pushed her to defend himself mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. Right, and then, know, and then the argument comes, well, if that's the case, why, why did you, you run away? Why did you hide? Why right. didn't you say this early on? It's like, I didn't run away. I didn't know anybody was looking for me. It was an accident. But my girlfriend what? was dead, and, and, and I was distraught out of my mind, and I just needed to be alone in the wilderness. You know, there will be a defense. There's yep. any number of things they say, and Ray's exactly right. You want to see as much as possible what the evidence looks like. Obviously, you're going to hear from this client, tell me as your lawyer what you can tell me about this because I'm here to defend you or at least mm-hmm. make sure that your rights are protected to the fullest extent of the law, and then you see what there is to work with. And don't forget, one of the things we'd want to see on the defense side is the toxicology report from this young yeah, lady. Right, right. What's yeah. in her blood system? Yeah. I don't know, and I'm not alleging no, there was anything not. in her but blood you, system. Yeah. But in, in general. But let's say we find what's called PCP. Angel dust, which is known to make people extremely aggressive. Maybe there's an overdose of some kind of medication and she's choking. I don't know. I'm just throwing out the menu Absolutely. of the process. Right. You got to keep it. You know, when you're defense counsel on this case, you just have to sit and sit back. You can't be too aggressive. In my opinion, you know, don't go after the prosecution. They're doing their job. Listen to the prosecution because they right. may be leading you to a path mm-hmm. that you can use as, as an appropriate defense and maybe a plea bargain. It may be involuntary manslaughter. They may be having a terrible fight. Now, if he had defensive wounds, and I'm his counsel, I want to preserve those by photograph scratches, you know, mm-hmm. right. black and blue eye or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think, it doesn't seem like right. that's no, being done. It's, it's been a month, you know. And the crime scene also will contribute to the defense. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fascinating, and we will probably talk about this case again. I, think I have so. a feeling. If folks need your help, your expert opinion, how do they get a hold of you? Call me anytime. It's 404-522-7553. On the internet, hagen-law.com is the website. Bruce at hagen-law.com is email. Always happy to call. Weekends, evenings, doesn't matter. Uh, We're here 24-7. Folks who get injured in car wrecks, 
They need advice right away. The system is stacked against you. The insurance industry is corrupt. Sorry if there are any insurance people <laughs> listening, <laughs> but I don't really care because <laughs> right. they're a corrupt industry. And you may not be preparing yourself to deal with that right away, but they're certainly preparing to deal with you from the moment that crash happens. So talk to me, talk to Ray, but talk to somebody. And as we said earlier, sooner is always better than later. Yeah, law enforcement is preparing its case when the handcuffs get clicked. And uh, you want to call me the night of your trial, there may be a way that we can find enough resources and assets to properly defend you, but probably not. Probably it's better to get you or somebody to make that call in what we call the golden hour. It's not really 60 minutes, but it's that period of time where the doctors and the lawyers can do the most help where we can prevent a four-alarm fire and maybe just make it a one-alarm fire that we right. can put out with a garden hose, you yeah, know? Exactly so right. 404-964-4185, raygelaw.com. Bad things happen to good people, absolutely, especially in the wee-wee hours of the morning, as Frank Sinatra sang. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I would uh, recommend if you need help legally, you reach out to either Ray or Bruce or both. This is uh, your day in court, and we appreciate you listening to Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.